0: If you get <laughs> if you get you get the future is a child.
1: and welcome to a super special episode it's extra awesome because we're featuring the psychedelic paint slinger and self-expression sensei known in this dimension as chris dyer if you couldn't tell i'm pretty damn excited to have chris on the show mostly because his artwork has had a huge impact on my personal journey and following him on social media over the years has given me a whole lot of inspirational moments through the stories he shares on his nomadic journeys as a painter in high demand As with some other painters we've had on the show, it is always a good idea to take a few moments and enjoy some of Chris's work online, which you can view at positivecreations.ca, as in Canada. There you'll be treated to a supreme spectacle of colorful canvases and multidimensional murals, and you can find his fascinating travelogue videos linked there as well. You'll likely be tempted to pick up some clothing from his site because his magnificently magical garments will grant you immediate trust and recognition from people Ranging from hippies, deadheads, total heady bros, EDM kids, and other artists for sure. But seriously, check out some of Chris's work while we're getting started and you'll see why they're called Positive Creations. Each piece carries crazy levels of loving intentions that Chris projects through his paint. A true champion of the oddballs and a guru to weirdos everywhere, I really am stoked. And I would like to ask you all to join me in projecting so much appreciation and love through the space and time that we all share towards Chris Dyer so that he can feel that warm and tingly feeling of gratitude for the one life. Welcome to the show, Chris. So how you been? Where have you most recently come back from, man? I just got
0: back from a two month trip where I was mostly in Australia for like a month and a half. And then I was in Thailand for like Half a month. Thailand was mostly just one workshop, like so one of my medicine workshops. And Australia was like two workshops, two festival, life painting, and uh, parties. Three life painting gigs and two workshops. And then, like, kind of like murals in between for fun.
1: And uh, yeah, now we're
0: staying busy, <laughs> avoiding the Canadian winter.
1: Well, you're amazingly active with your artwork and your traveling schedule. What's the mission behind what you do that keeps you moving?
0: Well, I want to be happy, and traveling makes me happy. I like to learn. I like to see the world. I like to hang out with interesting people. But also, I'm called out in the world. You know, these people invite me to go to these places. It's rarely initiated by me. It's mostly people being like, hey, come and do your thing here. Hey, come and do your thing there. So then I'm like, okay, and I go, and I do that, and hopefully I make people happy when I do my thing. And yeah, so there's many reasons. It gets kind of tiring sometimes, like I'm so happy I'm home right now. I'm just kicking it with my own friends and grounding out and catching up on emails, as much as that's not super fun, but it's kind of like necessary sometimes and drawing for fun. So, yeah, you know, a little bit of traveling is good, a little bit of home groundation is good. But uh, I'm grateful for, for all the blessings in my life.
1: Well, doing things just for fun is almost as important as working hard sometimes.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, enjoying life is crucial. <laughs> we can't only do work. Yeah. Even though I do, <laughs> as, I, as, I, as, I, as I'm working at a drawing and doing a podcast at the same time. <laughs> so as long as, you know, the work that you do is fun. It's not even work anymore.
1: So when you're drawing just for fun, is it like autopilot, or do you really have to focus and concentrate?
0: Well, there's different. Like for example, right now it's, it was doing some realism, and I gotta get shit really on point, and I really gotta focus on on what I'm bringing forth. But definitely wouldn't be like talking on the phone. But I'm at the stage of like a drawing where it's just shading, and I I know what needs to be shaded. I know where what lines need to go where. It's just about putting them down, and that takes hours to days, so, yeah, it's pretty autopilot. It's just about putting in all the work that needs to be done for this drawing to be perfect, and i experienced enough to know what needs to be done, and don't really have to think about it too much, just do it. That's kind of relaxing, as much as sometimes it's tedious, and, uh, yeah, I can watch, listen to music, and listen to books, and watch movies, and just have a chill day as I get my work done. So uh, I like the weekends because on the weekdays I'm just fucking being stuck in my office answering emails and having meetings and getting all the business side of things in line because I've been neglecting
1: it a lot on the road. So do you have like a whole company behind your positive creations now? It's a lot more than just you, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's a corporation, believe it or not. <laughs> I'd have to uh, incorporate it, not because I'm trying to skimp on my. Canadian taxes, but it's because I'm trying to work in the United States legally. For that, I had to like incorporate my company, so then they will hire Chris Dyer to then work in the United States. And I got this team of lawyers that are working on my visa, and it's a big, complicated, boring, boring thing that's expensive too, but i just don't want to do anything illegal you know what i mean I'm, i want to be all like legit and i don't want to be a snow mexican taking advantage and robbing the jobs of the poor americans with my crisp direness i don't want to do that to you guys it's just not fair they yeah. took our jobs you know what i mean like i don't want to be that guy it's what, it's what they told me at the border you know that i was taking jobs yeah once i got deflected at the border i was going to alex gray's spot they asked me, so what are you doing? I was like, I'm teaching a workshop. I'm not getting paid. I'm a volunteer, and it's at a church of art. So I'm basically volunteering at a church. I'm not working. and not – and they still say, like, well, you're taking somebody's job. You know, that other, you know, teacher of skateboard art, like a little, like, vibes. And then I was going to be unemployed because of you. And, uh, yeah, so they send me back to Canada. And that fucking sucked because ever since after that, every time I go to the state, even just in transit to another country, they put me in this room and they question me for like an hour. It's a really stressful, horrible situation that I really want to avoid in the future. That's why I'm spending so much money to like make it that I got this full on working visa in your country and I don't have to like put up with any of these bullshit really, because you know, I deserve to go there and make people happy and be paid. I think so.
1: I wonder if you get maybe targeted During travel, more than the average person, because you look more exotic than the average Canadian.
0: Do I look exotic? Thank you, man. I've been like, you know, boxing my legs lately, and uh, (laughs) that mustache being plucked properly. Um, Yeah, you know, the the dreadheads always get the the extra little bit of like, what's up with this tibby? You know, like even though I'm like a bourbon dreadhead at this point, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just. I'm just kind of like not normal, so I'm kind of used to that. It's okay.
1: So have you found during your art career that you have pretty uh, frequent resistance like this? Stuff that you can't exactly predict or expect, but you just got to power through?
0: The whole world is resistant. No matter what you do, somebody's going to be like, what the hell are you doing? Like at points it was parents being all like dude why you're on welfare for so long it's like well i'm an artist and i don't make money yet so i need somebody to help me pay the rent rental i get this shit going mm-hmm. yeah or even now like i got a really awesome very faithful following from a lot of people who really love me but there's always those fucking haters out there who just can't stand it that you're doing your thing a little bit different and they're just always trying to throw their shit at you because they just can't stand that you're just doing your thing and that you're you're happy at it so yeah there's always resistance no matter what but then again i resist things too you know i'm a human being sometimes i can be judgmental sometimes i can resist like if somebody came into my house right now with no shoes and no shirt i'd be like dude put on some shoes and some shirt this shit stinks i don't uh, i don't like that so you know i <laughs> i i could i could be that way too depending on the situation I don't want to like be uh, in a place that challenges me too much. And those who are challenged by me should just stop following me and just pay attention to things that make them feel comfortable. But yeah, you know, that's the world. We're a bunch of humans. What can we do?
1: I wanted to ask you about your cultural background since you were brought up in Peru and then later moved to Canada, did you find that Peru was more or less tolerant of your mad creative vibes than over in Canada?
0: Peru definitely has way more judgment on racism and negativity than of America like I, or Canada. I'm from Canada where, you know, we judge each other like I'll be like fucking hipsters or whatever and <laughs> whatever. But I don't really hate the hipsters. It's just kind of like weird to me because they just kind of like take you know, parts of everybody else's culture and make them their own without... Standing for the essence of what the original culture stood for, like hip hop and punk and who rebelled against it. Anyways, I get into a whole different topic. I don't hate hipsters, but sometimes it's kind of weird to me. Where am I going with all this? Can- Canadians are really accepting, and like there's so many cultures. It's not like one kind of Canadian. Like it's like the classic Canadian, is your classic white dude that, like, there's like, I live in a French city, there's tons of like black people and Arabic and Asians from around the world that know he's like, What's up with this Asian or what's up with this black? Like, I never really see much racism myself. You go to Peru and there's two-way racism. There's, like, the whites will be all, like, oh, fucking country people, cholos from the from the Andes who come to the city and ruin everything with their ignorance because they come like, uneducated and many of them don't have money and then they end up robbing, so there's a lot of, like, you know, bad shit that happens because all these people like go from the country to the city and then they don't know how to like live in the city and then so there is bad things that happen it's not like a thing of the race but the race that comes from the mountains to the city are usually one kind so there's that kind of racism and then there's the other racism of the brown people towards the white people because the white people are the is the minority, and usually for some reason the white dudes are the ones who have the money. So the brown people just hate the white dude because they actually have money, which, you know, maybe, I don't know, like, why that is, but I can't necessarily say that, like, oh, you're white, you have money, and you rob people, you did something illegal. Maybe you just had better opportunities, or you had better education, or maybe you just worked really hard. So I can't really just say, like, people with money you know like it's i i'm white i'm half canadian my mom was white my dad's brown so i'm kind of like half half so i look like my dad but i i'm the color skin of my mom i don't really care about color skin things but people will treat me like oh white dude he's a pussy or let's rob him so i'd get robbed like many times a year because i was white so that kind of sucks you know like and i was in a street can i was really trying to be down with the, with the normal and Andean-looking Latino brown person. Not that I'm, like, particularly going out of my way to, like, be friends with a different demographic. It's just that in the street gang world, the ones who were cool were the, the brown ones and the white ones are kind of, like, you know, not respected. So I had to, like, kind of like be, like, double tough in order to be respected to some degree in that world. Yeah, that's really, like, a really long answer to your question. But, yeah, no, Peru's full of racism and judgmentals, and money really matters in Peru more than in Canada. Like, if you have money in Peru or not, it really matters to people. In Canada, man, you have money, you don't have money. Like, I'm not looking at people on the street being like, does that person have money? Is he cooler than me? Like, I don't give a shit if people have money or not. And if they're happy, they're happy. I don't, you know, I don't think most people think that way out here. But in Peru... You got to have your fancy car, you got to have your big, your, your cool clothes, you got to have your big house, or if not, you're a loser. It's kind of weird. I guess it's because there's just so much poverty, you know? It's like, it's either like you're super rich or you're super poor, so you want to make sure that you're on top, something like that.
1: Can you tell us more about what it was like during your transition period from starting out, starving artist on welfare, to eventually becoming a globetrotting trotting fully-fledged, world-renowned, visionary artist. What was that like?
0: I went to school for like eight years, and as soon as I got out of school, all I did was art. I never really wanted that secondary job. I had enough secondary jobs that taught me that secondary jobs suck. I was like, fuck, if I do these secondary peasant jobs, it's gonna kill my soul, and it's gonna rob my time that I need it to like make my art work. So I just never did that. I just went full on, like, I've got to make art and i got to make art and make this thing work. So it was 2003, I guess, when I graduated from school and I just started doing that. And, uh, yeah, I didn't do the side thing.
1: Man, I think that is a really brilliant way to do things because speaking as someone that's currently locked into a type of peasant job, as you put it, I find that the longer I'm in that, the more addicted I get to the financial security, the more comfortable I get in my home, the more stuff I get, the more I have to maintain. And then that makes that raises the bar and the hurdle that you have to clear to become fully sufficient on just your art is even higher than someone like you were when you were starting out where your needs were a lot lower. And so you could make it with a lot less.
0: I guess that's a good point, you know? Like, if you didn't get to a good level, you won't know what you're missing for. Since I just got out of school, I was at a student level of poverty. So I was just like, well, I'll just keep on living student mode with posters on my walls and simple food and a small apartment and till it works out, which was, I think, like around five years, things kind of started turning around. My way of finding some kind of financial backup was welfare and it's not like I was like lying to them being like oh can't find a job give me some free money I was like I'm an artist and I just got out of school and I have no job no one knows me I don't really have any clients and I can't survive so please make sure I don't die so you get you get 500 bucks a month which is really little to live in. imagine paying rent food bills clothes art materials everything with 500 bucks a month it's not very much, but I made it work for like five years and that was a sacrifice I had to do in order to follow my dreams. I like, I'm not fucking doing the normal person thing. I can't do that shit. So, so I'll do the sacrifice and yeah, happily, it it worked out, you know, that I now can live a comfortable life still doing what I love.
1: I imagine that could even take some of the edge off of the fear that, you know, things are going to crash and burn. You're going to lose it all everything you've accumulated because you have some kind of memory of surviving a time when you had to do with a lot less.
0: As long as you're doing what you love, I think that's more important than the shit that you have. I myself now, I'm a, I'm a older man and I have more shit and I've gotten used to a different standard of life than I had in those beginner years. So if I have to go back to that level, I wouldn't be happy, honestly. Yes, I would survive. And when I'm on the road, I don't think about my shit. I don't think about, like, oh, I wonder how my records and my action figures are doing. I just just don't think about it. It'll be months I don't see it, and my life goes on. So I know I can be happy without it. But when I get back home and I just want to rest and I just want to be by myself, I like looking at my action figures and listening to my records and all these material position things that I earned from all these hard uh, years of work so you know i'm not against materialism you know as long as it's not exaggerated either but yeah. uh yeah i pay my, I pay my dues
1: <laughs> just like with everything man it's that balanced perspective that seems to be the good one the middle ground where you yeah you can have nice stuff and you can enjoy your material objects but you're not addicted to them or hooked on them And then on the other end, you're not having such an ascetic and self-depriving lifestyle just for the sake of your own spirituality that, you know, you might wind up dead one day and crossing to the other side and realizing, oh, shit, I didn't do a lot of the stuff I wanted to do because I thought I needed to deprive myself.
0: Yeah, you know, it's to each their own. We all got different paths. Some people want to give away all their things and lock themselves up in a cage to find enlightenment all good for them. That might be their role. But I already had that option offered to me early in my life, and I was like, no, I feel like in this lifetime I'm supposed to be an artist, and what I do will help a lot of people and and make the world a better place. It's maybe not my lifetime to become enlightened and reject the physical plane. And, I, and then I'm like, well, why did I come to the physical plane to reject the physical plane? You know, like, did God make himself into man to escape it right away and become God right back again or did he come to become a man and eat a fucking chocolate bar and be like, Holy shit, a chocolate bar rules. Thank you, God and and look back up at himself and be like, Thank you for this experience. So I don't know. I'm just trying to like make the most out of it. I'm definitely not living this like this meaningless life. My life has meaning and I'm growing every single day and I'm trying to like benefit as many people as I can and I'm trying to help the movement that hopefully makes the planet a nicer place to live in but i'm also not denying myself of like pleasures like i'm not also like a guy who's like hunting it down like crazy like that's not what my life's about but uh you know i can enjoy life too why not i deserve that shit. (laughs) no point in making myself unhappy
1: i totally vibe with that that you got to sometimes do things just because it makes you happy And you brought up the idea of a creator force in the universe or like a higher self version of Chris that you're thanking for your experiences. What would you actually define elevated consciousness as? Because I feel like we're kind of going into that kind of territory here.
0: What is elevated consciousness?
1: Mm.
0: Elevated consciousness. I don't know. I'll tell you when I find out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for me, uh, the goal of life or one of the goals of life is to become enlightened, which I guess would be a kind of, or the main kind of elevator consciousness. And enlightenment would be a state where you're present nonstop. You know, you're always like, okay, I know I am God. I know I am soul. And and you break through the veil of spiritual illusion so for me that's the ultimate elevated consciousness i guess there's different levels i guess if you took uh certain psychedelics or or fall into some kind of like mystic state that would be a kind of elevated consciousness but i guess the first we got to define what consciousness is and that's a tricky one too so once again i go back to just being present you know being right now being like i'm here i'm now i'm doing this drawing and answering these questions i'm a soul inside a body Not getting caught up with too much of it, but I'm also enjoying it too. There's a question, I got my answers, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but it is what it is, something
1: like that. Yeah, I like the way that you put that. It's more simple, I think, than a lot of religions make you want to believe. And I personally agree that it has to do with actually being present in your body and what you're physically doing. And doing it well because your attention is actually fully engaged with it. And there's always deeper levels of that. And, yeah, I don't like to separate the body and the spirit in my mind so much. I like that. I like thinking that they're two sides of the same coin.
0: Totally. And I'm not anti-enlightenment. It's just maybe it doesn't feel for me on this lifetime. At points it did. At point I thought, like, well, like, this world is samsara i'm trapped in the wheel of karma um i should just try to go back to home where like i'm an infinite happy being but you know when i was presented to that option in one meditation retreat my my guru from india told me what what are you going to do guy like what's what 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 are you about you know what's your thing and i'm like well i just finished art school i'm about to like go out there and become this artist and he was like oh no you shouldn't do that you know, that that life has so much, it's so tricky. You're going to be caught up in ego. You're just not really going to find uh, enlightenment if you do that. Uh, you just, you're going to fail. You're going to too many distractions, too much ego. You're not going to make it. You should just kind of like quit that whole artist plan and just take you and meditate for the rest of your life. This, uh, you know, retreat in Oregon. And that shit crushed me it was like really like holy shit this guru that i've been following for years and i've been doing this path and really trying to follow his teachings to become like this enlightened being is telling me to quit like what i wanted to be since i was a kid and on top of it you know like i worked so hard in school to become this thing and i got this feeling like that's my purpose in life and it was like really hard to to get that request and straight up there, it was like, well, if you want to be enlightened, it makes sense Just stay here, meditate, and, and that's it, you know, do your service, and, and you'll get there. So it, it makes sense to me, but I was like, fuck, so I was just so torn, so torn about it. And uh, the year previous in, uh, in that meditation retreat, I had met this woman. I was hitchhiking the retreat itself and she was driving and she never picks up hitchhikers but when she saw me and my girlfriend she saw like two shiny beads you know like she's kind of psychic and I guess she sees us and she saw that we were like shinier than your usual human being so she's like oh shit I gotta pick up these people there's something to them so she picks us up and we hit it off really great psychic woman and And we had many conversations during that retreat. The next year, she didn't come to the retreat. I was like, ah, too bad that awesome psychic woman didn't come and all this stuff. And then that whole thing that I just told you about the guru happened where he's telling me not to become an artist. And I was just so torn and bummed out. And all of a sudden, on the last day, right before me leaving, the psychic woman shows up. And she's like, oh, shit, I'm so happy I caught you. I wasn't going to come to the retreat this year, but I just drove here last minute because I needed to talk to you. And I'm like, holy shit, okay, yeah, what's going on? Well last night I had a dream where Jesus because she I guess she would uh, contact Jesus sometimes or Jesus would contact her showed up in her dream and she said you gotta go and talk to Chris and tell him that he's supposed to go out there and talk to thousands of people and inspire them and shine his life, let the, uh, his light rest left, left and right and you know inspire the world that way that's his mission. So she came to tell me that and I was like, holy shit, Like this comes at a really good time because I, I'm about to like, you know, I'm deciding if I should like be an artist or or not. So this kind of sounds like Jesus straight up telling you through a dream, sending you here to tell me to do this thing. And then the month after that, I think I joined uh, MySpace. And for the first time, I was able to to reach thousands of people and really doing the work that i do today before that i was in all your social medias but social medias like uh, friendster and Hi five were more for like your actual friends not for strangers so myspace was the first uh, social media that really blew up and helped me reach a super large o- audience so yeah so that's my story about uh, having the choice between enlightenment and the uh, bodhisattva artist so i've done my choice and now i'm just running with it
1: I think you made the right choice, dude. Jesus trumps anybody that's still in a body here, regardless of if they're like some badass guru. And to me, it sounds kind of like, to me, it sounds kind of like somebody, not you know, not that he might not have had good teachings, and I'm sure he did, otherwise he wouldn't have been into him and following him, but he's also just a person in a body with the ego, and maybe a part of him was just not wanting to lose the sort of role that he had with you where he gets to tell you what's up and you know, now you're Chris Dyer, you're kind of deciding what's up for yourself. I think that's what's meant to be. I don't think we're meant to just sort of follow any one thing or any one person. And that's why we get those weird messages from the other side, like like you got from Jesus. That's the coolest story. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not making it up. It's, it's actually, that's my life.
0: And you know, the guru, I fully feel he was enlightened. He was just kind of like on this other plane that I don't even understand. And from his point of view, Anything of the physical world just seems kind of like pointless because it's just this big illusion. Uh, but so I, I still don't disagree with what he said. But I took my option and I'm running with it, you know. And if I can help people in my life, fine, you know, I'll sacrifice my enlightenment just to get other people one step closer to their enlightenment. I'm I'm fine with that rule. That guru was interesting. The first couple times I, I looked into his eyes, because he would be around, but you wouldn't really have a chance to talk to him. He was just like, you know, old white man, uh, no, old uh, Indian guy with a turban and a long white beard. And, you know, he would give his speeches, but you never really would, like, come so close to him. And one day he kind of walked by, and I looked into his eyes, and I just fucking cried for, like, half an hour, like, really violently as if I was being... I feel I think I was a, a rag with water being squeezed out. Like a, it was like a purge, like a cleanse, and it was like really interesting experience. You know, I've never been, I never reacted to a person looking into my eyes that way. It was really terrific.
1: People's eyes are like an entire universe, and if they're a deep individual, then you can really fall in. I guess.
0: Mhm. Totally. So we also gotta be careful what we're throwing out through our windows of our souls
1: yeah absolutely i actually personally can see like when i'm not taking good care of myself with not getting enough meditation or not doing enough um, qigong or, or other physical activity i get more my eyes look more and more darkened and i look like i'm turning to the dark side
0: <laughs> Mm-hmm. well that's good i did my qigong this morning too man I wasn't doing it this week. And, and then yesterday during a rap meditation, I was like, Chris, you're gonna do your, your fucking Qigong, man. Don't sleep on that shit. Good for you. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I didn't do it. So I did it this morning. Yeah, good for you doing it too.
1: Yeah, I'm curious, like, what are some other personal practices you couldn't do without? And like, how does taking care of yourself uh, tie into your ability to express yourself?
0: Well, I'm a chronic masturbator. It's a really tricky problem in my life. because It's just gotta be like six times a day. This really gets in the way of my life. I'm just joking. It's not true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what other practices? Well, as I said, I do rapes. I, 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 I rapes so is like this uh, tobacco snub from the rainforest of Peru and Brazil. And I just kind of like inhale it a few times a day uh, when I want to get in a state of like spiritual connectedness, I guess. It's not really like a psychedelic or I wouldn't even consider it a drug. It's tobacco, you know, tobacco on herbs, but just like blown straight into your dome. And uh, yeah, so that that really helps me out. I do my shit going in the morning. I make myself healthy breakfast. When I have time, I go to the gym. But I, ever since I got back, I haven't been able to go to the gym. That's not very spiritual, but there is spirituality in staying healthy and, like, you know, dignifying your body and keeping it strong. What else do I do? I like to skateboard when I have time. Fuck, I wish I had more time for that. I like to, like, you know, pull out a tarot card every now and then when I need uh, answers and use my pendulum to help me know, you know, some of the choices that sometimes I'm, like, torn about. Yeah, something like that. I'm not too complicated of a person.
1: That's cool. I, I'm kind of the same way. I don't get too caught up in just one thing. Like, I got a tarot all the time. It's kind of like whenever it seems like the right thing to do, then do that. And be eclectic with the stuff I'm into. because. You never know when things are gonna sort of tie together. Um, I wanna to ask you about plant medicines though, cause you brought up the jepe, isn't that how they say it? Yeah, I have a friend that makes the curape pipes and just beautiful handcrafted ones. And I've always wanted to get one of those and, and try that. And so on the subject of plant medicines, what are, uh, what are some other ones that you've had experience with that have had a interesting impact on you?
0: Well, in the last five years I started going to ayahuasca ceremony with one particular shaman in Peru though I've met up with him in other countries too, like Brazil and Russia. Yeah, that's helped me out a ton. Other than ayahuasca, a little bit of I guess you kids call it sass. But yeah, sassafras or white pepper is actually like a natural heart opener kind of thing some combo frogs, but that's not really like a psychedelic, I wouldn't mean, even call it a drug, it's more just like a detoxifying experience where you grab the secretion of the skin of a frog, it's not really poison, but it kind of becomes poisonous to a human when you put it into a wound, so you're basically opening up wounds on your arm, and then you put in the, that little gummy thing, and you then you go through hell pretty much, you just get violently sick, But it really helps you get rid of a lot of the toxins in your body. You know, if you want to avoid cancer, you just got to get rid of all that shit you got in your body. So that will help you purge it out fairly quickly. But it also helps you purge out the metaphysical dirt. You know, all those traumas that get locked into your body vibrationally, I believe they also come out. So that's something I've been doing the last few years. And as much as it's not fun, it's really helped me cleanse out and become a better person if i can say that
1: yeah when it comes to the toxins and things in the body it's like any other filter system your organs are basically filter systems they keep toxins out of other parts of your body and if you don't change your filters or clean things out then whatever that they caught it's still there so and that also goes mm-hmm. to things that you didn't really fully process psychologically that you've gone through and all that does get stored in the body and qigong back to that is another way that you can move that energy out of the body as well i i like to just look at the spiritual and the physical as two sides of the same coin and the same thing instead of separations between the two and so you can kind of move yourself spiritually by moving your body and you can move yourself physically by uh, having emotional healing I've never tried ayahuasca. I've never tried a lot of the more South American plant medicines in in general, but I would say they're very good for, I guess, making the mind more clear. That's what this, the word psychedelic even means etymologically is to make the mind clear. And so, whenever you're in those states, I'm wondering, do you ever have any sort of big clarifying aha moments about the nature of the cosmos, or have you kind of constructed a personal world worldview about how how life works what life is really about yeah definitely i learned a lot when i go to her
0: i don't really go so much on like hey teach me what the universe made out about i i care about that stuff but it's not what's on my mind what's on my mind is like please help me i'm fucked up i need to be less fucked up i need healing i need to get rid of my fears and my anger and my issues that's why I'm going you know she's a doctor so you go for a surgery and she'll operate you and help you take out the the junk and help uh, replace it with good stuff so it's been a process of five years and little by little she's been removing 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 and taking out the bad and then the more I remove the bad the more I have this uh, ability to see The fabric of reality and and learn, you know, like what I'm about, what my relationships are about, like what's my mission, who am I supposed to stay with, who I'm supposed to not stay with, learn a lot about myself. But yeah, in some journeys I've gone to like kind of like the core of what everything is made out of. And it's really interesting, you know, because you read it in books and and you're like, oh, yeah, everything's one and that sounds awesome. But then once you're there and you feel it and you're like, oh, shit, yeah, everything is one at this other level. And that's awesome. And you just kind of like can forgive everybody because you're forgiving yourself and you can accept people and their processes. And I guess like when you get the spiritual understanding of what this is all about, You can kind of, like, just cruise through it with a, you know, with a better attitude. You know, you just can be like, okay, well, you know, let's just be happy and make sure else is happy and do your service. And if other people are not happy, well, you can't force them. That's the process. And I don't know. You just, things are easier when you have a better understanding and attitude about them.
1: Yeah. And when you have been to that place where you're like, oh, shit, it really is actually all one thing, like literally one thing, then... You get a little bit less scared because there's really nothing to be scared of that people are scared of, other than dying, and not knowing what's going to happen. And if and yeah, we don't know what's going to happen just because we may have had some big psychedelic experiences. We're not able to say for sure what happens after death, you know. But it is a lot easier to be comfortable with it once you've explored the the universe outside of your body or the universe inside of your psyche, depending on which way you look at it. It's kind of the same kind of the same thing and once you get over that fear of death there's nothing really to hold you back and make you want to control other people or be upset about small things because in the big picture it's like well that's just an expression of something that's going on inside of me I, I can't be too mad at him
0: yeah it's okay you know there's more acceptance i'm not gonna say i'm perfect i got still lots to work with the work is never done it's just like you go to class you get a lesson Like, I don't think anyone's going to get cured by doing ayahuasca once or even like a handful of times. I think it's something like, I got to go back to class, you know, every now and then and get my lessons and, you know, (laughs) learn what you've got to teach me. And many of them are reminders, but it's like you go to the gym and you do push-ups. It's not like you do push-ups once and become strong. It's that you have to do many times to kind of train that muscle to be a certain strength. So... I guess when I get my lessons over and over again, my being can become strong enough in attitude or belief that I'm being taught in.
1: I've seen pictures of you in all kinds of amazing sacred sites around the world, pyramids and, and ziggurats and you know the Easter Island, all kinds of cool places. And so I'm curious, what are your thoughts on our ancestors? Because seeing this stuff in person, I'm sure is a lot different than seeing it from pictures on the internet. Yeah,
0: no, it's awesome to go to the sacred site. The energy is great. The things are amazing. Walking through old ruins and seeing how that used to be such a great empire at one point and then just a bunch of rubble a few years later. Well, maybe not a few, but enough years later, here we are in the future and it, it's nothing. So it just kind of puts ourselves in perspective like, oh, We take modern society so seriously that we could all end up being rubble one day or just history and I I accept whatever has to happen. Of course, I'm always trying to like cheer for the good side to overcome so that we can make this world not go to shits, but it takes everybody and, you know, I'll do my part, but I cannot do it for everybody else. But, you know, I have faith that everybody else will eventually pull for the good side or do enough to us alive for at least a little bit longer as for like you know the whole mystical shit of it yeah i think uh older cultures had a kind of wisdom that we didn't have definitely in egypt you feel like there was they were onto something like you look at those pyramids and we still can't do something like that so there was something there like you beat you you look at it and it's like holy shit like yeah, I don't like to blame it on aliens either. I'm not saying that humans were not down with aliens. I'm, I'm sure there was, like, contact and we we're, like, down and everything and all that stuff. But I don't want to just be like, oh, human stuff. We needed the aliens to come in and make everything for us because, you know, we got no powers. No, I think, like, we did have powers. Maybe the aliens helped us get those powers or technology or whatever. There's interesting things, like, when I was in Easter Island, like, I'm really familiar with what is thought to be Inca Ruins. Why I say thought to be Inca ruins is because, you know, say like Machu Picchu and Texawaman and all these other ruins are believed to be Inca ruins. But I have no evidence, really, that it was the Incas who made it. It could have just been another culture from way before them. And when the Inca empire happened, they just kind of like moved into those ruins and then just claimed it as Inca. And then when the Spanish arrived, they're like, oh, the Incas must have made that. That's why I say, you know. But uh, my point with those ruins is that when I went to Easter Island, there was one site where there was a wall done in the Inca style, and it's a very particular thing because the rocks have a certain shape, and they're positioned like really exactly in precision mode, and it's like really like obviously Inca, and it was only one ruin site. Everywhere else, the rocks were kind of just kind of like piled up, kind of janky, like you know, cool. but not in the position of the Inca architecture. So that makes me wonder like, whoa, so like did the Incas go on a boat there and had contact with them and taught them how to do one wall and hope that they would like pick pick it up or, I don't know, there's just so many mysteries and there's things that I, you know, I just like observe on my trips that I just, really at the end make me wonder i don't really know the answers but yeah i i love uh, ancient ruins they're
1: awesome to me it looks like there's evidence that there was even a basically like a world civilization going on i look at the physical reality as just being something created out of the mind of the ultimate creator or the the larger mind that we're all embedded in and if that's the case maybe if our individual minds and our egos were so aligned with that cosmic creator force or that the mind of the universe, the mind of the galaxy we're in or the mind of the planet we're in, at the very least, maybe we could change the way that matter actually worked because it's coming out of mind to begin with. Maybe if we all were holding ourselves back with fear and belief and hating on each other, maybe we could just do things like move those big stones with our minds or or fly from one island to another. Who knows, like all bets are off if things are actually being created by our minds collectively.
0: I personally don't have that mastery, but I don't disbelieve it. Maybe I disbelieve it for my own self because maybe my self confidence is not as strong. But yeah, no, I think anything's possible. definitely, when I go into like this realms of the ayahuasca world, I'm, like, seeing some, like, pre-Incan art where I'm like, oh, shit, like, that's some Chavin shit. And when I ask my shaman, it's like, whoa, man, I really got in touch with something really deep. He's like, yeah, that's the same nucleus that all the ancient Peruvian cultures used to get in touch with. So it's like, source in there is like the same one as the ancients could touch, and now, to some degree, we can go and contact it. but. uh I don't know, to really learn from it 100%, it, it takes a while. You know, there's a lot of work to be done, and it's many times not very fun. <laughs> like, I wouldn't say I'm the kind of guy who wants to go ayahuasca a ton of times a year. Like, I'll do it, like, a few times a year, very respectfully and ceremoniously, and I'll learn what I learn, and then I'll live my life. But I don't think I got it in me to, like, do it constantly. It's kind of, like, not – it's exhausting there's fun parts too inside it definitely there's a lot of hard stuff too
1: yeah it seems like it'd be hard on your body if nothing else to be purging that much and always in emergency uh, detox mode like something like that puts you through i mean definitely yeah. to the shamans who make that their path because you got to have the guides otherwise we can't even use those types of medicines safely so for sure it's good somebody's doing it but yeah i'm i'm with you there i my psychedelic experiences last me a long time after they're done. I'm sitting there integrating it uh, constantly for a year or two even. Yeah. So
0: God bless the, the real shamans, not the charlatans, but the real shamans who are doing the work, who are learning and are just being good examples. And I love hanging out with my shaman. When I hang out with them. it's as much of a learning experience than actually doing the medicine because then I see how a liberated person acts. Once again, okay? I got my friends helping me with uh, preparing these sculptural horses here. So just making sure that we don't spend the whole day on it because it's not as fun as other things.
1: Wait, what are you guys putting together?
0: Well, this store, this client, one wants me to paint these wooden horses. And they brought it to my apartment, but it first needed sanding or scraping because all the paint was peeling off. And now it needs priming. So basically... It needs to be painted white with gesso, so then I can actually get in there and paint. So I got a couple of my good friends over helping me out on that. And uh, in the meantime, I'm trying to finish this other drawing so I can scan it and already like put it to to work for me. So with two different clients of different products. If you look at my Instagram, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, but if you look at my Instagram stories, you'll see a picture of me at the desk I am right now doing the drawing that I'm doing right now. So. You can already see it if you
1: want to and screenshot it, share it. That definitely sounds pretty unique and cool. And so as we are getting closer to the end, man, I wanted to ask you about some festivals that you might be at this year. What festivals you like and what it's like life painting at events like this?
0: Yeah, you know, they hired me to paint at these festivals. To be totally honest, I never went to those kinds of festivals till they started inviting me because of my art it was never my thing i was more into like punk festivals like war tour or like you know metal or reggae really like reggae festivals was a big festival a big thing for me in my youth. so the whole like electronic music jam band kind of hippie festival wasn't really super my thing so now i go more like a performer so I guess, like, my interaction with it is not the same as someone who's just going there to, like, you know, have fun. You know, maybe do a ton of psychedelics and listen to a band or or whatever else you do at these festivals. I'm there to, like, work, you know. I show up. I got to, like, live in a tent which I'm not used to anymore. as this person in its 30s, and I got to paint a mural many times. I like, paint a big mural all weekend long. Which is fun. I like to do art, but you know, sometimes you gotta be up there in the sun, standing right next to loudspeakers and, you know, sometimes it's too hot to paint during the day like I would So then you gotta do it at night, but then at night you're tired because you just had a fucking hot day. So it's like, uh, it's both fun and, you know, I had, I had my fun moments and then I got my moments where it's like, it's just like a, like a job what festivals are like well different festivals have different things i really like the oregon eclipse festival that was like really cool because it like a week long and it had so many cool things to see and so many friends from around the world were there my mural was huge there so i had to work really hard but having a whole week kind of like made it possible and there's just so many fans and i love meeting my fans i guess that's one of my favorite things about going to these festivals is to meet the people who connect with my art you know there's I'm just doing my art for myself, and these people like really connect with it in a special way where it means a lot to them and becomes part of their lives, so usually those are the kind of people I get along with pretty nicely. What festivals I like, ah, my first gym and jam experience was really fun, I was like right up on stage and all the bands that I that played were really fun, so I really liked that one, and I don't know. I've done a ton. I uh, can't really, like, think about uh, Alchemize this year. I mean, they really get good. soul back in the day because it was, like, more focused on the art, and that's where I met a lot of the awesome visionary art family that now are all my friends, but that's when I first kind of, like, met them, and that was in Hawaii around uh, 2010. This year, I'm doing Psychedelic Sleepover. That's uh, beginning of... June, I think in New Hampshire, and then I'm doing a party in St. Louis, I don't think I have the name yet, and what other festivals I'm doing, oh yeah, I'm going to be at Electric Forest actually, I uh, know that's a very popular one, I've never done it before because they're so popular they don't really need to hire me in order to be super cool, but but yeah you know like i'm a headliner artist and some people who uh, some festivals that want to be all like oh we got some of the best artists in the scene then they hire me and, and that's kind of like my role electric forest electric forest doesn't need that but now that i started having booths at festivals i know that Electric forest is a place where booths do really well and my People have talked with them, kind of being all like, hey, you can have Chris Dyer Life Paint for you as sponsorship for our booth. or so our booth will cost us less and they'll put us in a good spot and hopefully I can sell enough products. So basically I'm going there to work for free in hopes that my fans buy enough of my merchandise and make a good, you know, help that project succeed. <laughs>
1: Yeah, oh, yeah i like that forest. it's a big one so i'm sure you won't have any trouble getting artwork to all the the people that are going to be flowing through that place and there are some some of my other visionary uh, painter friends uh do that one a lot like morgan mandala and Eyes. and i think in general that's a great place to to actually go put your face because all the you might inspire a lot of people to go try out art for themselves that's I mean, I'm wearing, the t-shirt I'm wearing right now is a Headspace Chris Dyer shirt that I actually got at Electric Forest that I, when I first started creating art, it was making hat pins and teaching myself how to do like computer graphics so I can make those. And one of my most triumphant moments in my art career so far was trading uh, one of my posters and one of my pins to a dude who just bought this Chris Dyer shirt I'm wearing and he he traded it to me, shirt off of his back, because <laughs> I couldn't right. afford those expensive uh, uh, full full all over print shirts back then. Anyway, so it's like sort of my lucky shirt actually, and I I find myself looking at your stuff to imitate whenever I don't really know what I'm gonna do next on on one of my drawings. So you're definitely a big inspiration to me personally. Might even. I just started doing this type of a podcast without people like yourself getting me, uh, intrigued in, in creativity. Sweet. Well,
0: thank you so much, Chance. I really, I really, uh, appreciate that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love how like the art just kind of reaches people through the merch. Like I don't see merch as these, like evil things. You get people's money and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, it's a chance for people to like grab your art and like live with it. And from what I hear, people who use my clothing, my hats, my pins, they, they kind of like break the ice with a lot of other funky people who are like, well, what's that all about? Tell me about it. And to become friends. Some people even become couples, like people who resonate with my art are rad people. And right. when those people like identify like, Hey, are you Chris your fans too? It's like, yeah. And they're all like, yeah, we're just about you happy, happy, like nice, mellow people. So with the same thing I was saying, like, I love my fans. My fans like each other too. So uh having the clothes is like a way of identifying each other as, like, you know, the people who live from that vibration. And uh, it's an honor to be the one who actually makes it. It's a good role to have.
1: Yeah, well, you're playing the shit out of the role of Chris Dyer, man.
0: <laughs> uh, thanks, man. Well, what else am I going to do?
1: <laughs> but, uh, hey, we're, we're getting um, pretty close to the time I wanted to let you go. I'll go ahead and let you get back to all your fun collaborations with friends and whatever else you guys might be up to today. Uh, it's been awesome to have you here. Before we go, you can tell people your website and also anything else you want to express or share before we wrap up. That'd be great.
0: Okay, cool. So plug my art webpage is positivecreations.ca as in Canada, not California. And uh, then my web store is positivecreations.net as in the internet. I got some workshops coming up. I got one at Cosm. I think the the spray painting section of that workshop already got filled up, but there's still spots in the skate art workshop side of it. So that's in Northern New York. It's a a great spot in Cosm. I got two workshops in Peru in October. One is at City of Life in Cusco, so it's going to be in the Urubamba Sacred Inca Valley, and that is going to be one of those medicine workshops. It's going to have two Wachuma, or also known as San Pedro, ceremony, and mushroom ceremony, and then like eight days of painting. So that should be super fucking special, so that's the City of Light workshop. And then there is another workshop in the jungle of Peru, in Tarapoto, And that's my yearly ayahuasca medicine retreat, which, you know, of course, I'm just teaching art. I'm not a shaman. I'm not like, but I got my own shaman and competent people guiding these experiences and sharing pure medicine. And there's nothing to fear. Like, you know, like these are the experiences that I put myself through. And that's why my science can know that I wouldn't, I wouldn't guide them to an experience that would harm them in, in, in any way. What else can I plug? I got... ah, Nothing else to plug out other than that. I just wish everybody a happy day. I hope everybody can be nice to each other. I hope everybody's having a nice Easter. I hope that this spring and this summer is an amazing one for you. I hope that if you're artistic and creative, that you're allowing yourself to express that from your heart. I wish that we'll make this world a better place. I wish that we'll clean the water. I wish that we all start eating clean food and no pollution that gives cancer to no one. I wish that everybody has a house to live in and food to eat and happiness in their heart. And uh, yeah, I want everybody to be happy. So yeah, let's do that.
1: Man, that's that's a great set of intentions and wishes. I'll match that with you. I'll resonate that as much as I can. And. Hopefully the audience is also going to be putting that idea into everything they're creating and everybody can just sort of be nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. Fuck yeah.
1: Awesome, Chris. This has been a super good convo. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the artwork. Thank you for being yourself Ben. thank you for not going into a cave and uh, becoming enlightened before you uh, ah. all this artwork.
0: Thanks, Manny. I think you're the first person who thanked me for that. <laughs>
1: hey man, I, it's, a, it's a lot to go through to stay in a human incarnation and to especially to get put into a spotlight like your life has become. So it's, it's not like it was the easy choice.
0: Yeah, that's true. It does add in bumps and it's low times too
1: well thanks again man i'll I'll let you get out of here and much love my brother it's been a pleasure to speak with you you too man wishing you
0: the best thank you for interviewing me
1: Guys, we fucking did it, right? That was a pretty interesting episode, if I do say so myself. And it's not hopefully not just because it's my personal hero, Chris Dyer. Well, one of my personal heroes, of course, I've got a lot, but we all go through phases where one particular musician or one particular artist is like your favorite for a while, right? And yeah, I've guessed I've had a phase like that with Chris Dyer before, so It really was super special to me to have him on the show and get to get to know him a little bit. And I really wasn't expecting to hear that story about Jesus preventing him from enlightenment. I mean, what a dick, right? Why would Jesus do that if Chris was definitely going to be enlightened by that guru? And now he's stuck in the terrible life of a world traveling artist. Holy shit, Jesus, that was really rude, (laughs) actually. If you couldn't tell it, um, being sarcastic, I actually think Jesus did the right thing in this situation. And keeping Chris from going into a cave and meditating his time away, I think that was definitely a huge win for the world because now we've got the psychedelic vibes of the mastermind himself. And, you know, there's a lot of other artists out there on a similar level to Chris, but each and every one of them has their own unique spin on the way that they present themselves the way that they speak the way that they especially paint and chris is definitely a unique spin on everything he does Uh, i do appreciate that about him and yeah i'm glad jesus did save him from that i actually think i would like to have talked more about that whenever the story came up i was just not ready for it and i had some other questions i wanted to ask him and we didn't have as much time as in the other episodes so yeah i will admit there's no plus extension for this episode and it's really late but all that aside, what in the world does it mean that someone had a dream about Jesus to tell him, to tell Chris not to stop uh, being an artist and not to go meditating and, and try to become enlightened? And I think that that really is interesting. And what could that be? Is it like a real spiritual Jesus that's coming around in people's dreams? Or is it some kind of a Tolpa effect that creates a Jesus-type figure because Chris has uh, some conception of Jesus, maybe from a religious upbringing as a kid. I don't know. And if you guys aren't familiar with the concept of a tulpa, tulpas are mind-created entities that actually become real in the physical world. And there is some research on this topic and some precedent for it. So. If it's not something you've heard of, I kind of recommend you dive into that because it is a weird rabbit hole. And anyway, there seems to be a real tangible power, and there's plenty of research about it in many different forms, but a real tangible power to our conscious minds, especially in a group and in a collective. So is it possible that some sort of collective mental projection of energy that we expect Jesus to be like might have in some way created a non-physical jesus that is able to enter into people's consciousness and their minds and tell them hey this is something that jesus would tell you to do (laughs) and because we have kind of a perfect ideal of characters like jesus and buddha maybe that's why whenever people do have these experiences of meeting them whether it's in near death or in dreams or whatever schizophrenic breakdowns (laughs) they do seem to represent like Different idealized versions of that character to the individual that's manifesting it in a weird way So like, you know, Jesus didn't talk a lot about painting or being an artist So it is definitely a projection of a connection to Chris in a way that the thing that Jesus comes through to tell him about is about doing art And I and maybe I'm rambling on and on about this, but it just fascinates me and I I'm really curious about how our unconscious mind and conscious mind play out together our inner and outer world are tied together and how these synchronicities that seem kind of small maybe in the moment that they're happening end up actually putting us on courses that define our entire life. So that story is definitely an example of that. Chris Dyer's life is definitely defined by the fact that he is an artist and not a monk. So I don't know. I really liked it though, this whole conversation. And I do hope you forgive me for not having a plus extension to you. I've actually got to admit whenever we talked about not being too stressed and taking things less seriously and having fun, and I was going back over these parts in, in editing, it really was hitting me. I'm not, it's not that I'm not having fun making the show. I actually really like the process of editing and putting all this stuff together, but I will admit I've been biting off more than I can chew for myself. And I give myself these deadlines that no one out there listening is putting on me at all, but I get it in my head that got to get an episode out by Tuesday or by Wednesday or whatever. And it's so arbitrary. And what it ends up doing is making me feel like all this stress because I think I've got to do a whole big chunk of work all once. And the reality is all I could ever do and still survive and not die or not run out of money or whatever is a little bit each day. And that's actually a really hard thing to cultivate, that type of a mindset of, just going to do a little bit today i'm not going to worry about what is or isn't finished because i don't know what might come up during the process this one might take longer than another one or it might be shorter but i'm not going to worry about that and i'm just going to make my effort tonight or today or this morning or whenever whenever there's that time and and not waste as many 10 or 15 minute intervals doing things where I could actually go put it towards a drawing or whatever. There's all, there's a lot of ways you could apply this idea. And really, I've known this for a long time, but I'm going to try to take my own advice a little better and set myself up mentally for a more successful feeling and not a stressful feeling. And so my new goal for the show is not going to be to put out an episode every week and I'm sorry about that and you can like definitely let me know if that sounds lame and you want an episode every week however I'm still planning I'm putting out at least four episodes in a month so you might still see them coming out once a week and I'll shoot for that but not going to kill myself over it (laughs) this week I kind of did stress myself out over it not in a mental way but I didn't take care of myself like didn't do my qigong which is ironic we talk about qigong in this episode i didn't really get enough sleep i didn't really hang out with family or friends i basically just made myself a slave to the podcast and i like that because i really like this show but it actually makes me get sick and uh, die so (laughs) i'm not gonna do that anymore so thank you for being patient with me while I figure out the best rhythm to deliver these episodes to you. And thank you for listening, especially. You can always go check out the show notes for the podcast episode you're listening to and get links to everything that's going on in it. There'll be links to Creations.ca to my Patreon where you can subscribe and get access to the plus extensions of episodes and all the other good stuff that's going on through there. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can go follow Savant, who is also known as Alexander Venter. That's who I've put in for the music this episode. If you don't want to subscribe on Patreon, because that costs money, you can always go leave a review on iTunes as well. If you write a review out there, I'll even read it on the show, and it would be pretty cool. I'd love to hear from you guys. Really, I'd love to hear from y'all in any form you want. Shoot me an email, chance at Hit me up on social media. I'll catch you guys later. This has been a fun episode. Thank you so much for being with me, and I love you all. Peace.